welcome to Virginia's Young Farmers Podcast. I'm Morgan Slavin. And I'm Ashley Keeler. And we're a couple advocates who are passionate about cultivating conversations about agriculture and rural issues. Whether you're a generational farmer like me or a farming hopeful like Ashley, we're just happy to have you here as part of our community. Y'all, we are so excited. Today, we've got a longtime friend of mine and a very cool young farmer, Joe Ulmer, with us, who's the owner-operator of Overlook Produce and Farm Adventures. It's located here in Mount Crawford, Virginia. Joey, so glad to have you. I'm really excited about this because it's I've known Joey for, gosh, we've probably known each other for most of our lives anyway, but it's been fun to watch us kind of like grow up in the ag community together and doing a lot of really fun and cool things, but I'm not going to um, steal your thunder, so I'm going to give you an opportunity. We'll get into your operation and where you got started and how you got started with the with Overlook itself, but mostly I just want to hear a little bit more about um, how you grew up and how you came to be farming. Yeah, so um, I grew up in kind of the, I guess you could say the country, and just lived on a little seven acres, and Morgan's dad, Jeff, had cattle in the backfield and always loved it. You know, grew up with a garden. Um, just had a, just loved animals. I actually started with a little three egg incubator in my bedroom next to my <laughs> bed. That's awesome. And, you know, you're supposed to turn the eggs every day. And I think the first time, I don't even think any of them hatched. But anyways, that's kind of where it all started. And, and I started with chickens. And then, you know, I kind of, I've always been in, like, interested in business so you know I started trying to make some money off of it and then you know I was like well hey my dad's got the seven acres let's boot Jeff out of here no, <laughs> just um, so then you know I got some goats and some different stuff and um, also worked for a lot of farmers you know I remember mm-hmm. I mean I used to ride my bike down to y'all's yeah. place and mm-hmm. paint miles and miles of fence or weedied miles and miles of fence and you know just kind of learn the ropes you know mm-hmm. starting out young I mean um, you know my mom will talk about the days that Jeff used to bail hay and I would you know, go down there and ride in his tractor um, Mm -hmm. next to him. And I'd literally fall asleep and, like, take a nap. And then, you know, Jeff would always call my mom when it was time to come get me or my mom would take him sweet tea or whatever. So Mm -hmm. um, I've always just had a passion and, you know, love for farming ever since I was little, you know, as long as I remember. What sort of things, because we've got such a mix of folks that listen to this podcast, and one of the things that I think is really interesting, um, we actually recently interviewed the shark farmer, um, Rob Sharkey, and uh, who was kind of like the godfather, I guess, of, of ag podcasters, and it was funny because he made a comment on that podcast of, um, you know, at one point in time, he didn't feel like there were any first-generation farmers out there anymore, and um, his wife kind of really took that to heart, so she's like, well, I'm going to find all sorts of first-gen farmers for you for your podcast, and then he was like, okay, all right, I got it, I got it, um, but I do I do love hearing from folks that um, are, even if they're not technically first-generation farmers, like, I kind of, I consider myself a multi-generational farmer with some first-gen farmer probs because I've got my own thing going on even though I've got a lot of good support system but as you were kind of growing that love for agriculture what was some of that good advice or mentorship that you got because you did work for a lot of different farmers a lot of different types of farming so describe a little bit of that and maybe what some good advice was coming out of that well, it just, I really learned, you know, to, to work hard in whatever stage it was, you know, whether it be weeding fence, you know, um, you know, it's like, well, how minute is this? What's this has to do with farming? But I mean, that's just how you work your way up and get to know, um, you know, how farms work. And, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes in, in, into it. 
when I want to hear you say that about just working hard, it seems so simple, but it's, we just started talking about recently, you know, you can't find a lot of young people anymore that want to do hard work or know what it looks like to work hard. And uh, the, like the CEO of our company, Farmer Focus, like he was a farmer, but he started like a, a business like outside of farming. And the reason he started it was because he said, because there was another business down the road that I knew I could do the same or better work, but just be nicer, like be a better like community member or be a better partner to people. Like, so even the weeding eating fence thing, you're like, you know, you have to find the, how are you going to do that really well? And so I guess like along the way, it sounds like you just kind of had that passion instilled in you of like hard work, you probably like to work outside. Right. <laughs> like, so how did you find your way back to like starting your own business? I guess that was there something before Overlook Produce that maybe was like the the tester of it before you just kind of if y'all haven't seen this thing get on eighty one and you'll see it. <laughs> um, but like, tell us about the journey to now. What is Overlook Produce and so, Farm Adventure? Overlook Produce actually started when I was probably like fourteen years old. Actually, so the okay. name. If you go to my new location right off 81, the name's very fitting because you literally, when you're on the exit ramp of 81, you overlook the whole farm. Um, however, the name actually came from where my dad lives. Um, you could stand on the back deck in the seven acres, went downhill from the back deck, so you could actually see the whole farm. And that's where the name actually Overlook Farm came from. And, you know, I had cattle. I mean, I'm, I've got my coat from when I was probably 12, 14 years old with a big Angus cow on the back that says, you know, Overlook Farms on the back. So it's not like that it's, you know, people are used to the produce side of things, but mm-hmm. I actually started with, with cattle um, and some goats on my dad's seven acres. Um, kind of the, the, I've always worked for farmers. Kind of the thing that um, really helped me get started, I guess, was uh, Russell Liskey, actually. He gave me a cow. Um, dude, I don't even remember how old I was, and helped me get to started showing in the fair. Um, and I was the type of kid, I didn't care to get last place. I was having fun. I mean, mm-hmm. I had this free cow. <laughs> <laughs> so, you Got know, cow, I was, you go. know, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't getting anywhere in the show business, but I didn't care. You know, I was having fun. And, you know, every year I went back with, you know, her offspring or whatever. And I just had a, a strong passion for farming and I kind of worked my way, you know, into it. I worked for dairy farmers. Actually, what my original dream was, was to become a dairy farmer. Um, I really loved the cows. I loved, you know, I got into AI and, and did that for people as well. Um, but then it, I came to the, uh, fact of, well, how do you, how do you even get into dairy farming? Um, and you, you know, you're talking bare bones, at least a million bucks to get started. And yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that wouldn't even get you started. So, um, at this point, I had kind of outgrew my dad's seven acres. I was actually renting some land up in Weir's Cave, uh, about 40 acres. And there was a creek that went down um, through the farm, and I was like, there was a little flat spot, and I was like, well, hey, I ought to start growing some produce. Mm-hmm. I had a friend up in Hinton that grew produce. So I started growing produce on like two acres, and I still remember everybody makes fun of me. <laughs> um, but like, you know, you, you take two acres and you look at it, you know, as a cattle farmer, you go, well, two acres, that's nothing. Well, you till it up and you, that two acres all of a sudden just got a little bit bigger <laughs> and then you lay plastic in it and then it gets even bigger. And then you go, well, that's going to be like 2,500 tomato plants. You realize how big it gets. So I literally just jumped in full bore. Um, that was my first year kind of into produce and that's where my produce, I guess, kind of started. Um, was, and that was back in 2012 um, on that rented 
uh, property in Weir's Cave. And we wholesaled everything, or I wholesaled everything. Um, I mean, I had employees when I was at the age of 16, 17 years old um, helping me out. Um, oftentimes I'd work side jobs and grow produce or whatever, you know, I had school at that time too. I did graduate a year early from high school. Um, and then the way I got actually into the retail business was I was, um, I was on a pretty, lived on a pretty busy highway. I think it was, uh, probably 17, 18 at the time. And I would take my little pumpkins that I used to like give away at the produce auction. Like they'd be 50 cents. I was like, well, this is crazy. I'll take my big ones there and I'll sell my little ones in my front yard. So I got somebody's hay wagon. And I would just pile these pumpkins as high as I could get them on this wagon. I'd put a little sour cream container out on the wagon, and I started coming home to $400 in this container. I'm so, can I pause you for a second? You, when you talk about all this stuff you're doing, I'm like, he's in his 20s, you know, like he's he's doing this stuff. And you're like, I know you said this a minute ago, but I had employees on 40 rented acres as a 16-year-old? Like, who... <laughs> How did you just know what to do? I know you said you were working with other farmers, but like, I feel like now I feel like I'm making a bunch of excuses, um, not getting started in farming. Cause my husband and I are like, oh man, this, this, that. But it's like, you're like, I just grabbed a hay wagon and I put my big pumpkins on it. And then I wholesaled it all. And, and you graduated school early. Like, so how did you know what to do um, or manage your risk so young and, manage employees like were employees your friends yeah so they were my friends so you said how do I know how to do all this yeah if I had to be honest I didn't know what in the world I was doing <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so like I actually I remember I think my first loan from farm credit was when I was like 14 years old and my dad let me go with my neighbor to buy some goats did you have I, to have a co-signer yeah he co-signed okay. for me <laughs> it was like four thousand dollars <laughs> I forget but anyways I come home with all these goats that I just bought my dad's like you know expected two or three and I think I bought like 20 or something just <laughs> atrocious and he was like okay sure it's your money you know figure it out so I mean <laughs> oh it was God. not like you know just a mountaintop yeah. ride like you know I'm making it like I actually made terrible decisions all the way along I mean I'm sure I still do um but it was actually good for me because I was able to learn on a smaller scale about business from trial and error, what I've seen other people do, you know, whatever. But I learned actually a lot of what I learned was from trial and error, you know, making bad decisions, you know. I remember those goats. Um, I lost a bunch of them. I never made a dime on a lot of stuff. I was literally working side jobs to fund my arm passion. And it didn't actually become profitable um, for a long time, um, yeah. probably really, um, let's see, I, when I started selling those pumpkins in my front yard, um, it was roughly probably right after I moved down, I moved down when I was 17. So I probably would have been 18, 19 at the time I started selling those pumpkins in my front yard. And, uh, and I, I mean, I still wasn't, you know, I was wholesaling produce. It was a good little side hustle, you know, it was fun, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's the thing about produce. You know, we talked about working harder earlier. That's that's the beauty of produce. It doesn't take a lot of money. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so you actually get paid on your work um, because it's it's all manual labor. I mean, that's what, what produce is. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go out there and easy plant, you know, a thousand squash plants for, you know, spend $100 and plant 100 plants. Well, that's not going to get you revenue. you got to go out there and pick it yeah. and box it and grade it. That's where you, you know, that work ethic, you get rewarded for that because that's, I mean, that's how you, how you made money was on your work ethic. Um, 
But yeah, anyway, so back to <laughs> got back a story. Back to the sour cream cup uh, on the wagon in the front yard. Yeah, so then that was my first experience with thieves. So all oh, of a sudden, gosh. this started people getting this figured out. Like, okay, there's a lot of money in this thing when they, you know, go to get there. I'm sure people stole pumpkins. Sure, I mean, you want to steal a $2 pumpkin, go ahead. Steal yeah. a $2 pumpkin, but... Don't you mess with my sour cream container. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, the sour cream container went to like a metal toolbox with a, you know, a hole cut in the top and locked. And well, then, you know, they were prying that open. And so anyways, I got creative and figured out a way that they couldn't get in. And then too, I learned, well, don't leave money in it overnight. You know, make sure you clean it out every day. That was clue number one. <laughs> but um, then I, I got married in 2016 and that's when I brought the property next to where I rented for five years um and that's when I started retail um and it's amazing to me you talked about you know you can't mess it along 81 it's it's funny to me because everyone's you know oh is this a you know a family business or you know well my market's so tiny you're so big Joe and it's like um well wait a minute guys like it's all in what you want like if this is what you want put your head in the game you can do it like mm-hmm because I started with a sour cream container. <laughs> yeah. And, right. you know, and then I moved next door. And, you know, and, and every every aspect of my business that I started at, I did it to the best that I thought I could. And in my mind, it was great. Um, you know, my first year in retail, I took two hay wagons, put them together, built a roof over them. And I thought it was the coolest thing and the greatest idea ever. And... I mean, I, I used to do, and I even had an employee there that I was paying to run the stand, and I would, like, sell $60 worth of produce on some days. And it was just like, you know, but that was in 2016 where, you know, what, how many years is it since then? Set seven, eight, seven yeah. eight years, whatever it is. Um, and look at it now. And, and, and every year, you know, I thought I had it going on. And, and, and I did, you know, I was, that's that was my passion. You know, we had a little wagon, and then, we took a little tarp and built a little 10 foot lean to on one side. And I thought that was the greatest expansion here. It was like, you know, 50 square foot expansion and a little mulch bed in the corner of my lot. And, and every year I added on, you know, I had a small greenhouse. Um, of course I had the backbones of me growing that had been growing behind the scenes the whole time. You know, I had multiple greenhouses on this property that I purchased at this point. So we did a little wholesale and reset, uh, retail, both, um, and then over time, you know, retail and then COVID hit, um, COVID actually was right before COVID hit, there was actually another, um, market that went out of bit or was going out of business, um, or they were, they were just quitting. They didn't really go out of business. And I thought to myself, uh, they had a big social media presence and I was like, how can I capture their audience? And they didn't own their location that they were at. And so I was like, they're not going to be able to get money for their business. And I said, well, man, what if I go to them and offer them, you know, a couple thousand bucks for the social media account and be like, hey, you know, promote my business to your customers. And so that's what we did. And that brought us a big boost right there. Um, and then COVID also, uh, we got into agritourism too, which also helped um, with our business. I think what will be helpful here, because we talk about, we're starting to, to share all these new things that have come in. So uh, like with Overlook Produce, but can you just give us like, when, we t- when we're saying Overlook Produce, what is there? 
like, because we were saying, like, oh, now we, we started with retail, we had the greenhouses, and people listening are probably like, wait, wait, let me write all this down. Like, there's all this stuff. So what all is at Overlook Produce and that you all have going on? So Overlook Produce, we are uh, uh, basically our backbone is a produce farm. Uh, we still grow a lot of the produce that we sell. However, we do buy a lot that we sell as well from other local farmers, and, mm-hmm. of course, out of season we buy in. So basically the backbone of Overlook Produce is a produce market. Um, it's an open air produce market and we also grow flowers. So it, it's basically produce, uh, a greenhouse. And then last fall we built a bakery in Delhi. Um, we actually started bakery in our basement, um, originally in a certified kitchen and now we have our own bakery on site. So it's basically a produce mark, open air produce market, greenhouse, dashed garden center, whatever you want to call it, bakery in Delhi. Um, Morgan actually introduced us as Overlook Produce and Farm Adventures. Uh, the farm adventures part was kind of pick your own strawberries, corn maze. We mm-hmm. still do all of that, but we actually have since kind of altered our name to Overlook Produce Bakery and Deli. So that's pretty much what we have. Okay, awesome. Sorry, poor research on my part. No, that's good. <laughs> We're good. And then yeah. like wholesale, we pretty much, uh, we don't sell any of our product really wholesale anymore. Um, we do have a, another kind of wholesale business going on, but that's, I don't know, a different discussion. I don't know if it's this <laughs> one or not. Well, I, th- I love the, the realness that you have of, of people saying like, oh, how'd you get so big? And I think when people say, um, you know, I have to check myself too when I'm advocating for different farmers on social media and I'm trying to say these are small farmers, like these are small farms. But, it, you know, we know family farms that aren't small. It's still a family farm. Mm-hmm. And I like the the realness of you saying, hey, I started with the sour cream can or whatever, mm-hmm. like, and now I'm here and you can do it too. Like, don't just keep thinking, how is he doing all this stuff? Like, you've worked really hard to get where you are now. So what are some of those decisions that you made early on that you feel like paid off now um, in the long run? And whether it was popping up the bakery in Delhi and now that's an opportunity. Just like, how do you kind of get the gumption to just do it, test it out, and then now you're seeing it's paying off. What has that tip been for you to, to remember as you're doing it all? So what actually really kind of got us on the on the market and differentiated us from other produce markets was actually pick your own strawberries mm-hmm. um, and heirloom tomatoes. We, we kind of find some niches that people really don't have um, and really build off of those. Um, for example, you know, heirloom tomatoes, we grow those in our greenhouse. Nobody grows them in their greenhouse because – they're not as profitable. Well, they're profitable if you're able to capitalize on them and the fact that nobody else has local heirloom tomatoes as early as we have local mm-hmm. heirloom tomatoes. Um, so that was kind of a big thing. I think one of the things, Joey, um, he did a farm tour for us for the Augusta County Young Farmers back in the fall, and you said something during that tour. Um, I think it was a question from the group because you got another little produce group like right up the road from where Overlook is and you had an interesting reaction to the question of don't you see like the neighbor is your competition and your response to that and maybe you can kind of like move on from this or or kind of add on to this is the idea of like when you do something unique you're not in competition with folks you can kind of actually use the other producers around you to help market your product because if we don't have it we can send it to them and if they don't have it they send it to us and I thought that was so cool because there's a lot of times that you get in this competition mindset 
Um, especially when you're doing stuff direct sales to consumers where it's like, my product's better than anybody else's product. Yeah, or you're trying to start farming and then you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this because no one else is doing it. And then the person down the street starts it and you're like, well, crap, now now, now what am I going to do? <laughs> um, so I, that's, a, that's a good point, using your, your neighbors as your neighbor. Like, love yeah. your neighbors, y'all. We forget that. Yeah. <laughs> Versus the competition. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never, I mean, of course, you know, when, quote, competition happens sure it makes me sweat a little bit but I really try not to view uh, anybody as competition um you know my neighbors um I think I kind of skipped the part to where we moved from our house to where our business is now so that might be a little confusing for people listening in but uh so we are small farm market we actually moved down the road just a mile down the road and the corner lot off 81 and and now he our quote competition is our next door neighbor and um it didn't worry me, and I think it worried him more than it worried me. <laughs> but uh, and and he was at first he was like, "Man, this is the end of us." And actually, you know, in in con- keeping contact with him, um, it's been the complete opposite. It has blown his business out of the water. Um, it's a different style produce market. You know, he's kind of more the the uh, mom and pop, you know, small farm stand where we're we're kind of. Um, a tourist attraction and have a lot more variety and do a lot more things. Um, but yeah, I try not to focus on competition. Um, however, you know, I, st- I still am aware of it. Um, and I figure out how to profit on my competition. You know, I sell some quote, my competition, you know, you know, they might need cantaloupe and Hey Joe, do you got any extra cantaloupe? Instead of me be like, no, I'm not selling you cantaloupe. I'm like, sure. How much do you want? You know, yeah. I can get mm-hmm. you whatever, make a little bit wholesale and sell some retail, you know, whatever, you know, it doesn't bother me. I think the funnest thing about, you know, having neighbors as your competitions when you get somebody that says, you know, oh, well, man, their sweet corn over there is so much better than yours. And it's like, um, I'm selling their sweet corn, too. <laughs> <laughs> but you never tell them that. So it's kind of funny. Uh, oh, that's that, that's, funny. that's the fun part of the competition. Love that. <laughs> oh, man. When you talk about the, the you pick strawberries were really cool uh, for you all. And, and it's an attraction. Um you know, I had a friend who tried to get started and you picked strawberries recently and it was just so much work. I mean, like you said, it's produce is a lot of work. Um, and when you have employees now, um, like how do you, how do you balance that? Like just being, I'm sure it's exhausting when, cause I mean, you were working in the bakery in Delhi, you were running all over the, the farm. Like when we were even visiting there for lunch, like you're working there too. You're not just managing a business. So what has it been like to bring on employees? Like, how do you know what decisions to make? Because, you know, we've talked about it too. Like farmers are also the HR team because <laughs> you've got to learn what your employees need, whether they're family or others. Like, how do you manage that? And what does that look like for you all? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, back to the hard work thing, um, farming has changed. I do remember, you know, everyone kind of had the motto, well, if you just work hard in farming, it'll work. Not anymore. Um, it, it's so much more than just working hard. It's, you know, knowing your numbers. It's the HR stuff. Um, and that's something that's really um, stretched me because, you know, I would much rather forget all the HR <laughs> and just go farm. Um, so you've got to, and you've got to do it until you get to a point that you don't have to do it. For example, we have a bookkeeper now, but yet you still have to be involved in it to know what's going on. Um, and it's a, it's a challenging point in a business because we went from, um, my wife and I running the business and having employees to where, you know, if someone called in sick or something came up, my wife and I could 
pull it together, and we can make it work. Now we're to the size that if enough falls apart, my wife and I aren't enough to be able to wrap our arms around it and keep it together. So we've had to learn how to um, get in management, you know, hiring managers. Um, I mean, we've even got to the extent we now offer a 401K with employees match. I mean, you don't expect that as, you know, a small farm, but you have to be competitive in order to get employees. And so that's something that we're really trying to learn um, and go down that road, um, just trying to be really competitive, treat our employees well. And we've, it's really challenging for us because our growth has been so rapid Mm -hmm. um, that it's constantly changing. And it's, it's, you know, you got to throw something against the wall and hope it sticks because you can't you know, ease into it. You just have to jump and be like, okay, I'm going to throw a manager X amount of dollars and hope, you know, well, you've got not just hope, but you can, you know, have some numbers, but you know, your, your expected, you know, growth is, well, can I afford this? Why, you know, it's like, can you afford it? But you can't afford not to have that person either. So that's really changed it. And, you know, we have a little girl now too. Um, you know, she comes to work with us every day, you know, my wife and I still run the business every day. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you might see me in there flipping hamburgers one day. You might see me unloading a truck. You might see me picking strawberries, whatever it might be, whatever has to be done. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, what makes a good leader, somebody that's willing to um, do basically any job. And um, our success is so much in our employees. Like, you know, people talk about bad help. Um, We don't have enough help, but (laughs) I've got – the best team that there ever was i've got a lot of good help um my wife's the best but (laughs) (laughs) she's Uh, a little shout out yeah (laughs) so anyways yeah it's just in in, you know it's and well it's just like you know marriage you know it's 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 a relationship with your employees and and the business and it's um i don't know it's an interesting back and forth for sure when was it obvious for you to make those decisions to say well i'm at this point with my business and now it's like, well, I got to scale up, whether it was on the bakery and the deli or, you know, you said you, you all started to offer like 401k options to your employees. How did you know, like, that was the step I needed to do? And, and where do I start to do that? Because I saw our company kind of went through that. But then I see some like smaller producers who scale up, scale up, scale up without the people. And then it was now it's like, oh, no, like now I can't offer the 401k thing. Like, how do you know which path to take at what time? Um, Who is your you say this a lot, your board of directors, Mm -hmm. you know, like in your in your life personally, that kind of help check in or, or what does that look like for you to know when you have reached that point, how to keep going further or to pick another path? Yeah, so I'm um I'm good at running my mouth, so I talk a lot. <laughs> and I talk to a lot of, you know, different people and just, you know, hear what other people are doing. Um, my brother's a business owner down in Blacksburg. He runs a big landscape operation, um, you know, a little bit different. He, he took a different approach than me. I'm, I'm much more conservative. I'm much more like, okay, I've got to have the money here, and then I'll hire somebody where he's much more of, you know, I'll hire someone and pay him a huge salary, and then I'll find the work. Um, or, you know, I'm going to go to the lawyer and make sure, you know, I'm going to spend $10,000 and make sure my LLCs and everything's set up properly where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ease into this mm-hmm. and figure it out. So, um, not one or the other is necessarily right. Um, you know, looking back, I don't know that I could afford it, you know, to set up on day one, to structure my business properly, um, you know, to do, to, to do it. Um, and there's a lot of steps that we, we still haven't taken, um, this might be getting in the personal side of our business, but, you know, and people had been advising me, Joe, you need to be taking a salary. 
my wife and I have never taken a salary. Um, you know, it pays our living expenses, but you know, all my employees get paid more than I do. Um, you know, hopefully one day I'll have a nice retirement, but, (laughs) (laughs) and hopefully, you know, that, but it's just, it's just, um, it's just kind of, I don't know how we've ran our business and, you know, um, farming cash flow is always an an issue. Um, Mm -hmm. and our business is, you know, we, we have a little more accessible cash flow than a farmer does because we're on the retail side of things. Um, so we have constant sales, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a challenge to, you know, kind of figure it all out. Um, you know, it, it amazes me, you know, it's like the IRS expects you to know the tax laws and all these (laughs) things. And it's like, Oh, I gotta have insurance for this. And oh, you gotta, nobody told me you had to have this kind of sales tax. And so it's not really, um, when you start a business, you have to figure it all out. There's no, like, I guess there is how to guides out there, how to start a business, but every business is different. And it's, it's, yeah, you know, either there's the books, there's the legality part of it, there's the, the employee side of it, there's the HR department side of it, there's time tracking, there's health codes, there's building codes, there's all this mm-hmm. stuff, and, and you have to figure it, you know, figure it out. Um, it's been uh, fun and stressful both. <laughs> well, it sounds like, I mean, I don't know people who get into farming to make a lot of money, um, but that you're passionate enough about it that you're like, this is still what we want to do. Like you're, you're choosing to operate your business this way and not take a salary because you're like, I'm able to do all of these things, um, which hopefully one day you could. Right. (laughs) But I, I think that's so interesting. I think I forget that, you know, like farmers don't really pay themselves that much a lot of times at the end of the day. Um, so don't get involved in farming if you're looking to be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Joey, as you're looking back now over the past, what are we saying, seven, eight years probably that you've been hardcore on the produce side or Overlook it was growing into what Overlook was going to become, what was the biggest challenge you had and then what was the proudest moment you've had? Um. Man, that's a tough question. The biggest challenge I had, there's not really just one big, big challenge that stands out to me. Um, it's a lot of little ones kind of along the way. Um, my biggest, I guess, moment of leap of faith is when I went from the comfort of, you know, okay, hey, there's this little small farm. You know, I live here. If the farm doesn't work, I can go work an off job. Till when I jumped into it on a large scale, bought a commercial property that I'm farming on. Um, that was kind of the quote, biggest, scariest moment, you know, it's like, now that if things go south, I can't pull it back together, that would have been definitely, um, the scariest moment, um, the part that when I was like, okay, maybe we've got something is, I would say more recently, (laughs) more recently, um, with our new expansion in our bakery in Delhi, um, it's fun because nobody, when they come in my market, if you don't know me, you don't know I'm the owner. Well, mm-hmm. One, I don't wear a tire. I should probably, but <laughs> you know, and plus I'm young. I always, my wife loves it when people go, uh, who owns this? And she's like, I do. <laughs> yeah. And that's her favorite thing. Uh-huh. Um, but like just walking through the market and hearing customers talk about, you know, how awesome this is. There's nothing like this. You know, this is something you'd see in Lancaster, Pennsylvania or mm-hmm. something. And my wife and I, for all these years has talked about, building that type of market and then all of a sudden it's like whoa we we did it like we have this market and that doesn't mean we stop because we have so much more vision for our place but it's like okay we actually quote have what we've always been talking about Mm -hmm. building and that's that 
that destination. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it's not just another produce stand. It's a destination. You could take it and you could put it, you know, on the back road, and people would still want to go there. Yeah, I love that. Um, someone can think, all right, I'm going to go to Overlook Produce for lunch today. Like that's where I want to do lunch. And then you go and you're like, oh, now I want a flower basket. Mm-hmm. And then as you're going to the flower basket, you're like, man, are these jams and jellies? <laughs> and then on your way there, like you just see so much. And like even in the the freezers, like y'all have seafood. Like you can get you can get like your local produce. Like you don't have to go on a Saturday to a farmer's market, which is awesome if you do. But you can also get all of those products there. And, you know, if someone goes for you pick, if that's where they're going to plan to pick their strawberries, they're probably going to get lunch there too. So like you all have thought about it. I know a lot of like um, creameries when they like establish their creamery, when they kind of transition from just milk and cows, you know, like you, you're creating all these experiences for people. So I think that is cool. Like you all kind of get to look around and you're like, Oh my gosh, we we're already doing it. And there's only more to come. And I, I'm going to ask the question. I know some people are weird about, like, it's rude when you ask people their age. But how old are you all? Because you said, like, people will ask, like, how old are you? I know we talked about you're 16, and I thought you were telling a story from your 20s, the way it <laughs> sounded. But um, how old are you? How old's your daughter? I'm 29, getting ready to turn 30 here this year. So I'm getting old now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I better be careful. There's probably two 30-year-olds sitting next to you. Yeah, at least I know Morgan I, is. I'm, like, looking at you, but you uh, watch your mouth. My wife is 26, <laughs> will be 27 this year, and... And our one little girl will turn two in October. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, I would still say young. Mm-hmm. Um, we started young and still are young. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. Um, we love what we do. Um, I love the business side and the farming side. It's, it's just, it, it's interesting because farmers, you know, we talked about if you want to be a farm or if you want to make a lot of money, don't be a farmer. Farmers are, are some of the most caring people, mm-hmm. whether it be their animals or their customers, mm-hmm. um, is what I've noticed in farmers. And my wife and I often talk about, you know, it's like, why why do we do what we do? You know, we're, we're on a good lot that's, you know, um, every day, you know, getting built bigger around us. And it's like, you know, we could get rid of, quote, this headache if we wanted to and cash out. But it's like, is that giving up on ourselves? Like, what 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 do we, we're not, we realize that. Yeah, we're sure we're doing it for money, but at the same time, we're not even doing it for money. We're doing it for the relationship with our customers. And to just, quote, sell out would, you know, let the community down. Like, that's not our passion is in serving people, in serving the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I really notice in farmers across the board. Um, doesn't matter what kind of farmer you are. I think that's the excitement of agritourism or going to the farmer's market is a lot of times you're meeting the farmer and you get to hear their story on how they take care of their farm and, and, and what they're doing on their farm. And I know that, you know, a lot of people accessibility, if you're not near a market or something like that, you know, you're still getting milk from the grocery store that comes from a farmer, but we're really seeing the local movement come back. Like people wanting trans, they keep saying transparency. Like that's really all that word means is they want to know you have a Facebook page and they want to see who the farmers are and they want to see a picture of what is at your farm or what you're doing. So, you know, like even when people get intimidated by social media, that was a great idea. I never thought about like how y'all kind of bought a social, a Facebook page that was already popular, but people don't expect to see this, like, I got to plan out all my social media posts that they're perfect for what people want. They just want to see who's, who's the farmer Mm -hmm. and what's the product that they are 
going to be able to get from you. Um, so I think you all are doing a really good job with that too. And I think you're right. Like, I think that's why I like the farming community so much and why I wanted, want to be a farmer and why I want to come and work in the industry is because I feel like outside of the military, it's one of the the biggest services you can do for people mm-hmm. is to care about them and care about the food that they're feeding their family. Cause you're feeding that to your family too. And yeah. it's just such a, an awesome community to be a part of because like you said, you know, it's not competition in your neighbor. You're like, we're helping each other out. And that's really what the, the community is like. And I love hearing stories about the pandemic or, or hard times and how you can always relate to people in that community for sure. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? It doesn't necessarily have to be farming related, but something that just stuck with you. Kill them with kindness. Have you ever killed someone with kindness? <laughs> yes, I have. And that actually, co- it, uniquely enough, comes from my mother-in-law. Um, uniquely so. enough. <laughs> we all know. Read between the lines on that one. No, I, we get along great. But anyways, it's it's actually a, a unique uh, a phrase, kill them with kindness. And, and and that's when you when you deal with public and, quote, the customer's always right. Um, so the, usually the best way, and some people will, Take advantage of it or it won't work. But oftentimes, if you kill somebody with kindness, that's actually what will get them to turn around Mm -hmm. and appreciate what's going on. Whether it be your neighbor that you're having issues with, um, that's actually where the phrase was coming from. (laughs) Hopefully my neighbor's not listening. (laughs) But anyways, was like, you know, she was like, you need to kill them with kindness. Because we came in with this business. We were trying to build this business up. My neighbor wasn't happy about it. They were always complaining about the driveway. And, you know, we're supposed to share the driveway and about this and that. And, you know, they were telling me how, you know, I wasn't working, I wasn't doing nothing. And, and, you know, so I was just like out there hustling, you know, the driveway, I'd make sure it was immaculate. You know, I would get my own load of gravel in there and I would fix all the potholes and I would do everything when technically they were supposed to pay for a third of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like when a customer comes back, technically there was nothing wrong with it or technically you were the one that didn't water it or whatever. But often if you kill them with kindness, they'll actually come back around and... Mm -hmm and be a positive relationship, um, you know, whether it be a friendship or, you know, a customer that comes back, you know, and, and, and buys again, or, you know, oftentimes the people that you quote kill with kindness end up telling three or four more mm-hmm. friends about overlooked produce. And so, you know, killing them with kindness, it's, um, it's a fun way to say it, I guess. <laughs> just going the extra mile, you know, yeah. killing with kindness just kind of so sounds much- more fun. It's so much easier to keep a customer than to get a new one. And I think that's where I think the the kill and what kindness is so true. Because even, you know, with with our products in my job, if someone's like complaining about something, we're like, you are right. Like you are helping us make a better product because you've given us feedback. And here's some coupons like for some more, get, get some more. Right. And then they keep buying it and they become like a loyal person. So I totally, I see that. It's so real. I think like, how can you grow your community within, even when, you know, you feel like you're not, you're not wrong. Right. (laughs) I think that's another way to sit. I feel like that's where killing with kindness comes from. You're like, how can I make you my friend and help me out you know well <laughs> like, I think I really like the phrase because you know part of you wants to lash out but yet you need to be nice to him so if you say kill him with kindness it, it feels like you're getting a little bit of revenge but really you're killing it him is with a harsh kindness. word yeah. right it's like a compliment sandwich it is. <laughs> but not yeah <laughs> it's like a compliment chicken parm maybe yeah. just a couple of 
I'm dead. Compliment lasagna or something. Um, oh, man. Well, Joey, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Any any last bits of, of advice you want to pass along to anybody? No, I think that's it. Thank you all for having me. It was fun. Awesome. Well, um, for those that are listening in, where can they find more information about Overlook Produce? So uh, Facebook is, of course, the, the uh, easiest, you know, Overlook Produce. Just type in that. You'll find us. That's where we keep most things up to date. Um, our website's usually always out of date because I don't have a, a social media or a web web um, people yet. I need, <laughs> it's part of my business I need to work on. But anyways, yeah, we have a uh, website, overlookproduce.com. Um, if you've got any questions, you can call the market. Um, our phone number's all over online. Um, we have a, an app you can order food on. You can order food online. Um, we're open six days a week. Um, you can't miss us. We're off exit um, 240 off Interstate 81. Um, yeah, come check us out. And, yeah, you'll see me or my wife. We're always there and our great team. So Awesome. And you'll probably see him there when you visit. <laughs> Thanks again, Joey. We really appreciate you coming to talk about Overlook Produce and also just your farm story. It's been awesome. I've learned a lot. I'm sure you, even though you've known him forever, maybe you even learned something I, today. <laughs> I learned all sorts of new stuff about Joey today, and I've known him since since we were kids. So this has been awesome. Thank you, Joey. Thank you. You can keep the conversation going on social media at Virginia Young Farmers or send us an email at vayoungfarmerspodcast at gmail.com with ideas on future topics you'd want to hear to help navigate farming, life, or both. We can't wait to be with you again on Virginia's Young Farmer Podcast. Until then, happy farming.